You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the show. You shouldn't do that. You're going to offend somebody. I'm f- offend my own countrymen. <laughs> oh, is that who you're imitating? Yeah. See, you're getting down to it. I'm Dick Van Dyke from uh, <laughs> Mary Poppins, I believe. Is he Is he in Mary Poppins? Yeah. Yes. But he's probably not, doesn't do that voice, does he? Uh, hello, guy. You'd have to listen to it again, but it's pretty close. We were just saying. I'm really 8 am 8 am Before the after the show discussion. wasn't that until the very last second. But (laughs) (laughs) what kind of voices or accents I heard about from British people in my life growing up in the Midwest. Were you watching the. What were you watching? Or listening to. <laughs> you know, all those Disney movies. So that was your whole thing. Jim yeah. Jiminy, Jim Jiminy. Yes, that's a British. <laughs> you thought everybody talked like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we well, we do. There was no difference at all until yeah. I found you 2 in the 80s. And then they're like, they're Irish? They sound different? No, I wasn't, that, I wasn't that in the dark, but pretty close. Here's my Irish. All right, mate. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> so what's your American accent is the real question. Here we go. All okay. right, mate. <laughs> I can't do American, actually. It's really kind of... What? Watch it. I'd have to think of somebody and do that. Uh, like the person you're married to, for example? <laughs> like the person you're married to, for example? <laughs> oh, my God. Was that good? All you're going to hear is me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Perfect with a little Joe Pesci from, I think, Goodfellas thrown in there. That's how I hear you. <laughs> it's a thing. If you hear British people or people from other countries try to imitate Americans, it either sounds like New York or like Boston. the most wrong Southern accent ever. Or California, you know? Like, hey, dude. Hello. You know, they try. <laughs> that sounded like Cornwall. Maybe a little Fargo thrown in there sometimes. It's hilarious. I love it. Well, that's the impersonation section of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so funny um, so uh, this is after the show we're a movie review podcast this is Saturday April the 18th and uh, this is after the show 630 we're uh, going to review a movie today the movie is called The Rhythm Section it's a 2020 release movie so it's very very new it very, release, very new it releases on Blu-ray on April the 28th so this is a early look it's rated R, and it's from our friends at Paramount who sent us a copy for review. And uh, they actually sent us a copy for review during these tr- trouble and trying times. So somebody's still at work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, true. So well, Lots um, of people. Uh, reminder, you're, I've been going to work every week. You are so I go, Not that essential, I'm just saying. Not like a healthcare worker or anything like that. All right, so um, you give us your synopsis of the uh, 
rhythm section, and then I'll give you the one off the back of the box to compare. Hmm. My... Um, revenge? <laughs> Is that it? Is that pretty much sum it up? Person has a thing done, finds out how they can get back at somebody, and then they pump up and do the it. The volume. Pump up the volume, and then they go for revenge. I mean, that's all it is. It's not complicated. I mean, it's complicated unnecessarily, but it is not complicated. All right, I'll it give you the one off the box. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure the box has more than revenge. The box <laughs> might complicate it a little. <laughs> Blake Lively. Is it Lively or Lively? I think it's Lively. Blake Lively stars as Stephanie Patrick, a woman on a path of self-destruction after her family is tragically killed in a plane crash. When she discovers the wreck was no accident, Stephanie enters the dark, complex world of international espionage, seeking vengeance. Ta-da! Her search leads to Ian Boyd, Jude Law, a former MI6 agent who trains her to hunt down those responsible. With nothing left to lose, Stephanie transforms from victim to assassin and discovers that neither revenge nor the truth are what they appear in this action-packed thriller from the producers of James Bond. There you go. That's well, pretty much the whole film, actually. I just, yeah, and does any of that not say revenge? It did say revenge. Yeah. The word revenge was in there. Something was saying. All right, so the rhythm section. Let me start by saying I enjoyed it. And let me start by saying I didn't know anything about this one apart from who was in it, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the trailer or anything. I want to say... <clears throat> I did like portions of it, but overall, I thought it was pretty bland. Mm, bland, yes, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I can't say I um, thoroughly enjoyed Anyway, th- these are the things. These are the things I don't like about this movie. Right. One. Right. It has a particular style of camera work that I'm not, I don't really like. There's a lot of, like, running with a camera. There is, yeah. Don't like it. It's... It, it comes across when I'm watching it. It breaks all the illusion, and I'm I, in my mind. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's a guy with a camera strapped to him running behind her." True, I agree. I with keep you. thinking of that. I keep thinking of it, and it bugs me. Two, I don't think this is a fault of the movie, but didn't we have like the dialogue was really low? The volume of the dialogue, yes. Yeah. Now we have our sound system set up, and we don't have an issue. We, it's fine. But today, I was like, I can't really hear what they're saying. It's very low. So I had to go and fiddle around with my receiver, which I've never had to do in the, do in the past. So maybe it is a fault of this movie. Mm. But the, 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 everything else is lovely and loud and clear, but the dialogue's kind of mumbly, right? Yeah, lots of times, yeah. But I don't know if it's mumbly so much as just... Low. Yeah. But then when I fixed it on the amp, it was fine afterwards. So... Uh, maybe that's something you might want to be aware of when you put the disc in. Check check that you can hear the people before you start watching it. Check, check the disc. Check, check the disc. But I don't think that is anything to do with the movie. The, the other things I... There's, there's things that stuck out as bad to me. She wears a wig all the time. It kept bugging me, the wig. It was pretty annoying. She's got, you know, she's undercover most of the time, trying to not be herself. So she's got different wigs on, and and sometimes it's like a homeless person looking wig. Sometimes it's a sexy, you know, prostitute type wig. But all the wigs 
like the man running behind her with the camera, I kept thinking about wigs. If I'm thinking about wigs and cameras, it's not right, right? I mean, what true. Mean? <laughs> true. I should really be thinking about the story. The story itself, like you said, uh, after when we finished watching it, it has like it's like the shell of like all these type movies. You can think Bond. We sat and made a list. Yeah, Bond, Bond, La Femme Nikita, the Atomic Blonde, all those type of movies. It has. I feel like this movie has what they have, but it's not. It doesn't do it as good as any of those. But there are. On the positive side, there's a car chase in this that I really loved. I don't know if you did. I did. Uh, indifferent. I'm not a fa- car chase fan, yeah. so any car chase to me is like, ugh, come on. Well, this car chase reminded me of a excellent car chase, one of my favorites. Don't even bring it up, because you're not correct. From a movie. <laughs> I don't think you know what I'm going to say, but okay. I'm going to say. There's a movie called Ronin oh, with Robert okay. De Niro. And about halfway through the movie, there is this realistic car chase. And I think it's through Paris on that one, if I'm not wrong, mistaken, or Italy. But this car chase in this movie reminded me of that car chase, how it's filmed from this perspective of, it's not like Children of Men, where it's like the, the shot inside the car turning around, but it's like... I, I forgot about Children of Men car chase, yeah. I got this feeling of like, it's like what a car chase is really like. It's not like glossed up. It's like you can feel all the bangs. The car keeps hitting her from behind and you can kind of feel that like the way the sound design is. Also, she's just a person. She's never done this before. She's not got any skills. Yeah, they're trying to make it be like, what if you were having to drive this car in this car chase? Yeah, and you're not, it's not the Fast and the Furious. You're not like spinning the car and you're not jumping between buildings. Exactly. You're just driving a car there's a relentless car behind you that is going to knock you off the road. And she just uses ingenuity to kind of get away from it. And I really enjoyed it. It's not too long, that car chase. It's just a kind of snappy length. And uh, it's really fun to watch. Um, there's also, like, during this movie, I guess the missions that she goes on, like, to get the particular people, they're pretty anticlimactic, every one of them. Did yeah, you not agree? I agree. The one where she fights with the devil's rejects guy. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like... Trying know. to be interesting mm. because he's in a wheelchair and it didn't work. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair and it's got interesting lighting is not enough for it. True. Like if you go back and look at those fight scenes in Bourne, for instance, where it feels visceral and like they're smacking into the walls and even you have mentioned those. Yep. Those feel real and... Maybe not real, but, like, dangerous. This just felt like, oh, there's a guy. Oh, and now she's having a bit of a struggle with him. And, eh, that's it. True. And it kind of went that way throughout the whole movie for me. Like, I was like, oh, well, the next sequence will probably be cool. So now she's a prostitute. And now she's, you know, dressed sexy. And it's the same thing. Here's a guy. Yep. And now she's sexy. And now she's attacking him. Like, it's, you know. There's also... Are we going for spoilers? That's up to you. I mean, the, the back of the box pretty much tells you the whole thing. Right? <laughs> it does. Apart from one thing, which I won't, me- I actually won't mention that one thing, but it's crap. <laughs> Do you agree? Which, I don't know which one thing you're talking about. <clears throat> you mean the... The one thing. The lemon. 
I would say it's like the yeah, I get you. Yeah, big, very yeah. crappy. The thing where you're like oh, supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that even that was not. It was not. No. So when you say you really enjoyed this, and I break it down like that for you, with all the parts that kind of got me and bugged me. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it for what it is. But I said to you, in about three days' time, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to remember this. Now, I disagreed with that because I do, I really liked her. And yes, people mm-hmm. can pick it apart and say, when we talk about the performances later, there's a certain bal- imbalance in intensity. But there are so many good moments with her and like the vibe of it and the look. I mean, I did like the look other than a lot of the shaky cam stuff. I was, I'm never into that, but I just felt it was, and I liked the pace of it. It's kind of slow. You get to see her really contemplating things a lot. I enjoy that. It mm. depends on the person, but this character person, I'm trying to really think like, yeah, I mean, that's fucked up, right? Her family gets killed in plane crash. And now she's, and she took now, one of my problems with it is story. Yeah. Family dies in plane crash. And then three years later, she's a, a prostitute with a crack problem or heroin or crystal meth. I'm not sure which one crack, it is. I think. We have no explanation for that whatsoever. No. Because are we assuming that everyone who would have this happen to them would become a Your sad family prostitute? Dies, you become a prostitute and a cracker. Right. I don't think... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that circumstance, but we have no explanation. Then we get a little bit of tidbit like, oh, well, you were very intelligent when you went to Oxford and you speak many languages and like these throwaway things where now we're supposed to build this person up. Yeah. Based on nothing. And then her crack prostitute life. We only know that she's a prostitute and she does Drugs. I mean, that's it. There's nothing to fill in there. But I tried to ignore the flimsiness of the story. Yeah. And then think about this person who now is making the decision to change her life and probably regretting the last three years of her life. And these long pauses where you're seeing her just like swim in that cold water and walk and like sit in the room and kind of rock herself because she's all stressed out. I like all that. I feel like that's really nice filmmaking stuff. It's just not storytelling stuff. Yeah, true. And there are, you know, by the end of the movie, you got loads of questions. Like, it, mm-hmm. and I don't think the questions you're supposed to have. The questions of like, why? <laughs> that you even had that question. Like, yeah, what are we talking what, about what here? What are we doing? Like, what are we even? What is this story? Why is it so? Like, why is it so urgent? Why is it so... I mean, we understand the consequence of what someone has done. We get that. Yeah. Plane crashes, a lot of people die. There's something shady going on. Some billionaire loser guy financing everything, question mark. And then, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it's not like, like... We're not uncovering a secret government conspiracy or a plot to take over the world or a dictator who wants to do something. And if that is the case, I missed it. And I think Jude Law probably gave it in one line. Yeah, which is not good enough. No, Not only is it not good enough, but it was before we fixed the audio. (laughs) So we couldn't hear it. And so I just feel like if if those things I liked... 
Now, we're coupled with a better story. It would have been really yeah. good. Well, this is from the producers of James Bond. And what James Bond movies have going for them is it's always very clear what is happening, right? They yeah, introduce the body. Pretty basic. They tell you what he what he wants. He either wants the world or the thing or the water or whatever he wants. They tell you that. And then it's the mission to go and stop him because obviously it's going to end up bad. Yeah, and I guess if you want to argue like, oh, so you just want another dumb Bond movie. But not really. I'm just saying I want a just better something story. something with more meat on the bones. Yeah. Is how it... Because this felt... Or, I mean, we're vegetarian, so I don't know yeah. if there's a. Did another... this feel... Well, I said to you, this also <laughs> felt like... Th- this is um, based off a book. And the book... There's four books. And this is the first of the four. And towards the end of the movie, I compl- I didn't know it was based on a book. I was just like, oh, I see what they're doing here. They're, they're just setting this up for a, another thing. Origin story of this person. Yeah. And like the the very last scene is like, oh, oh, I see. You're going to do more of this. Or you want to at least. Yeah. Maybe you won't. But um, it all feels very designed around that. Like, um, I kept getting the feeling of... Somebody oh. got their claws into those books. Yeah, I, my feeling was there's a better story to tell here, but first we have to see this one, you know? Mm, yeah. Like like, oh, like the next one or the one after that there's in those books. The origin story, really good. but the origin isn't like... It's an interesting origin. A per, I mean, it's not like anything you've ever seen before. A person who innocently loses her whole family and then in a convoluted way has to find out how to avenge them, right? So we haven't mm. seen that other than we... Well, we're, that's not true. Children get killed, wives get killed, husbands get killed, and all these stories of all these people who then become the Avenger, essentially, don't they? So it's all the same, I guess. Never mind. That's true. I've talked myself out of that positive point. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got, like, in this movie, you've got an interesting section that she's not, like... And she's not Atomic Blonde or Anna. She's a bit shitty at what she does. Like, she's not great. Like, but remember, like the prostitute one doesn't f- go very well, right? The what? The prostitute um, assassination. Uh, true. I mean, she kind of fumbles and botches, is what I mean. She's but not, she's never done it. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's, so. the, that's the part I like, because we usually see people, they train them, they train them, they train them, and then they're amazing at everything. This woman's just kind of going with the flow. She's kind of, she's not perfect when she's being chased in a car. She's not perfect when she has to kill somebody. She's not perfect when she has to have a fight. That's the good but part then it's, of this. It's good, but then it's also exaggerated in a way where you're like, well, she could be better than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get, a little, you get a little worn down by the effort to make it seem as though she's not good at this that or the other yeah and there's a love interest thing that's kind of like it comes out of nowhere and really leads lame ass it kind of feels like oh we need this to to do something that we need this to serve this story we need it to show how ruthless she actually is yeah so that's all that was for so it makes me it makes me enjoy it less when i talk about it (laughs) because it's full of things i don't like about movies but then it's got some quality stuff. I could tell that, like, when it says from the producers of James Bond, and they made this alongside the new James Bond movie that nobody's seen yet, but um, it uses, like, the same crew a lot of the time and the same stuntmen and things like that, and that's all up to a high level of quality, right? There's the stunts and the fighting. 
She broke a hand fighting with Jew Law in the, in this particular intense scene that's really good, I think. And she kicks him in the balls. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's being taught. We've seen that a million times, haven't yep. we? Where she's being taught by a person. You know, like the thing at the beginning of the movie where what led her from London to Jude Law. That was also a bit of a stretch. Like, yep, it was, it totally. Was like, yeah, did, you know what I mean? It was yep. like, oh, we need a re- we need to get her from here to here. And I was like, what? Now she's getting off this bus and now she's... And then she just finds him and he's supposed to be some sort of super uber secret... Yes. ...hidden person. MI6. And it's just like right there. He's just he, right there by a lake. He's basically like... Like, when James Bond is trying to hide from everything, is that? But she just finds him. Like Yoda? Yeah. And someone had to find the map to Yoda, but she just basically... Just she's just like a his... drug addict lady who got on a bus and then she got there, so... She gets off a bus, she walks down a road, and there's his house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's cold, and it took her a long time. That's yeah. the, in, that's what we're supposed to understand about that Well, that part, I was... I actually rolled my eyes at that when she found the place. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> She she's nothing. She's not even a spy or anything at this point. She's just a woman on a bus. Like it's like putting you on the bus and saying, "Go and find <laughs> James Bond. He lives in the countryside." And you'd be like, "You are you saying I couldn't?" Oh, maybe he'd randomly turn up there, like he, like she did. Oh, hold on. She had a cell phone with Google Maps, and she had a, a coordinate. She did. She did. Even so, I mean, convenient. So, um, let's move on to the cast, and we'll say some things we do like. I like all those things. Blake L- Blake Lively plays Stephanie Patrick. Now, I'm I actually like her in this. Mm-hmm, I do too. Um, I, I mean, re- she has moments where it's a little bit over the top, a little bit like drama school trauma induced acting yes, at the beginning. You mean? Yeah, yeah, and then that went away pretty quick. Yeah, and then. You know, as she goes through, they don't sex her up at all. No, except apart the, from the one time. Yeah, when she has to be using the sex. And um, then the guy who's expecting her, you're like, yeah, that's what he would want. So that makes sense. Yeah, that part does make sense. But then the rest of the time, she's like just regular looking, mm-hmm. and sometimes a bit shabby looking and a bit filthy. <laughs> but um, as far as she portrays it, I think she did it good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked her. It's because of the inex... She portrayed the inexperience. And she was also, towards the end of the movie, I felt that she was getting into being that thing. Like she... Like, oh, Mm -hmm. I could be good at this. I'm going to be that thing. Agree. Um, We've got Jude Law as Ian Boyd. What do you think of Jude? I mean, he was fine. He was just being the hard-ass guy. guy. Yeah. Tough guy... Kind of, Jude Law could be James Bond, couldn't he? Sure. If there was a, J- a new James Bond, I, I totally would think he could be it. He's pretty suave and he's... I don't know if he's suave, but he's got an intensity sometimes that, you know... Slick, maybe. Is a little part. slick. Yeah. But in this, it could have been anybody, to be honest. Yeah, but his character's an MI6 guy. So he is kind of like James Bond. He's one of those guys. He's like a... True. He's like a, a lone operative... He's off the grid for a bit because he's trying to... Uh, what well, is he trying to do? He did something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he did a thing where he killed somebody he wasn't supposed to because he got pissed off, apparently. But I don't know. He only said it in one sentence. He did. He literally got one sentence explanation for who this guy is and why he's so desperate to use a 
a woman in her position to help him out. And right. also, I don't know. It was a bit much. No, I I quite liked him, but the, I do like Jude Law. I think he's I think he's pretty good. Um mm-hmm. Jude Law would be alright in Star Wars. I'm just putting that out there. Isn't he already? In some no, Star no, Wars? No. No. Did you ever see him in Star Wars? I don't know. Maybe is Yoda? Maybe There's he's... a lot of people in Star Wars. <laughs> baby Yoda. It's not baby Yoda. It's just no. the child, right? The child or the asset. Ah. Alright, so we also got I put Richard Breaker's layman's Richard Brake is the guy from Devil's Rejects. Or quite actually I actually quite like him in the Devil's Rejects, but in this he's just supposed to be this menacing almost like you know, like if a Bond villain was yep. like was like a second rate version of a Bond villain. Yes, it was kind of sad. <laughs> it was like there's the Bond villain who's really scary over there, and then there's this other guy who like works for him. <laughs> He's kind of like that guy. Yes. But and it didn't really do anything for me. I mean, he barely said anything. He had a bit of a fight. Um, I didn't put anybody else down because is there anybody else who you? Um... I didn't even care that much about the guy. No. Who was the guy? You know what I mean? You mean... Uh, the guy. Yeah. The, the <laughs> guy. That guy. Yeah. Didn't even care about him. No. This... Yeah. There, as far as it goes, it's mostly Jude Law and her. True. Most of the movie. And then random people who she has to kill, so... Um, but I think the cast was good. I think the dialogue's good. It's not hokey or anything. It's It serves its purpose. True. Um, it's just got things that I don't like, and it might be to do with... It's directed by Reed Morano. She is responsible for quite a few of the episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. And she also did a movie called I Think We're Alone Now, which I don't think we saw, right? I think we're alone now. Yeah, it's not that one. It's not a song? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But she's got this... It's you know it's the things I mentioned earlier the shaky cam, the uh, like shortcut plot like there's no depth to a lot of the stuff it's like here's some dialogue now we're in another place here's some dialogue now we're in another yeah here's some dialogue that's hard to understand yeah <laughs> so it's like it's like a short shortcut to get them to places often they just appear in another place oh now we're in London now we're in Tanzania was that where we were Tangiers Tangiers. It moves around like a Bond movie does also. That was nice. I like seeing all the different scenery. that She's in New York at one point, you know? Yep. That That's good. Always but good. But I don't like that jump to here, jump to there stuff. No, and I think that's like director stuff. So I think that may be why I didn't like a lot of the things. Not saying she's a... I'm just saying that there was stuff in here that I noticed that I didn't like. So um, let's go for IMDb reviews. What are they? Well, there are reviews on IMDb, and there are ones where you can have one star. The one star reviews, as always, if we dislike the movie, we can understand and totally sympathize with the person and their hatred of the movie. If we disagree with them, we think they are idiots. It's very simple. Now, I've come to understand, when I love a movie, it doesn't mean it's good. That's not how it works, right? Just because I love it. So, I if I if you read a bad review for a movie that I like, there's like a line between the 
complete fucking idiot person who just says bullshit that is meaningless and they shouldn't even have bothered. And then that line on the other side of that line is like, yeah, I get what they're saying. You know? So yes. Let's see what you've come up with this time. And there's your first swear word, by the way, for the, for the week. Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. Sure, sure, no um, problem. I'm, I'm saying, uh, this ain't a one-star movie for me. It's right in the middle, like a five. It's like really... Yeah, right in the middle. Movie. I agree. Yeah. But um, Maybe just a hair less, just because it's not got a great story. But I overlooked that by just enjoying the the whole of it. Yeah. I, I, I almost... I, I won't, because I know I won't. But I almost feel like picking up the books after you've watched it might make it more interesting. Because um, there's obviously more to this that's the best part of it, which... I don't think the first part is. Anyway, these are the people who hate it on uh, IMDb. <laughs> this guy says, I don't even know what I just watched. 60% of the movie is a close-up of Blake Lively's face. It's like the, mo- it's the story of the worst assassin ever, trying to get to the bottom of a tragedy in the most confusing way po- possible. I don't disagree with the first part of that. There's a lot of close-ups. <laughs> if you did screenshots of this movie... You'd have a lot of her in the middle of the screen just staring forward at you. So it doesn't screw with that. that part. Yes. In fact, the screenshots that I just did for it this week were that. Yep. This guy says, I'm wasting my time. I was wasting my time expecting something good. And I had to leave halfway through. Well. Well. You missed the best part, mate. <laughs> Probably missed the car chase. Uh, this guy says, what an absolute waste of my life. Oh, so he watched it his entire life over okay. and over and over and over. <laughs> For the last 30 years, I've yeah. been watching this movie. He says, halfway through the movie, the main character is the most weakest mentally and physically and written in a way that is frustrating. Would rather talk to the bricks than watch the drivel. Hmm. I don't so, get I What don't, bricks are we talking about? I don't know. This, okay. This guy says, no story, nothing seen. Seen, as in a scene from a movie. Nothing yeah. seen. Very bad acting. I suppose she wants to revenge. What about the governments? She just normal girl turn into girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Normal girl turn, turn into girl. Okay. This, this guy says, poor Blake Lively. I hope your career will not go downhill after this. So does she. And the finally, this person says, this movie is incredibly boring. It makes you feel like Ray Charles would have a better assassin than this woman. If you want to watch a really good female revenge movie, watch Peppermint instead. Hmm. And also, I want my two hours of my life back. Of course, everyone wants two hours of their life back. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that. What did you uh, think of the IMDb reviews? I don't... I don't uh, they're pretty shallow. Yeah. And if you don't like a movie, after like mm, 20 minutes, just stop. And if you stay and you keep watching it and then you hate it, don't bitch about it. If you want to examine it and pick it apart, like this is why I don't like it. And, like we just did. Yeah, I mean, we we're didn't not just bitch professionals or anything, but I mean, you know, just give something like intelligent about it instead of like, mm, I'm mad I made the choice to watch that movie and I'm going to blame you for it. Like, you know, get over yourself. So on the Blu-ray, there are 40 minutes of special features, including deleted and extended scenes and featurettes. If you want to see the making of this movie, I think they're pretty good. 
You know, like when you watch a Bond movie and it has the extras showing you how they did the stunts, it's that kind of production. Mm-hmm. Because this is an Eon Productions movie. They make the um, Bond movies. Barbara Broccoli and Cubby. I don't know. I think he died though, Cubby, didn't he? Just Barbara. Know. Oh, Cubby Broccoli, right. Just Barbara's left. Okay. But I mean, her name Barbara. is right up there on the, on the screen. The Eon Productions logo, you know. You've, if you're a James Bond person, this is not a, it's not part of James Bond, but it is made by those people. So that's uh, the rhythm section. You didn't know the name of the movie until the very end. I did not. <laughs> Even though it said it right on the screen at the beginning. I wasn't really well done. paying attention to that. All right, so um, that is the rhythm section. Like I say, right, I'm right in the middle of the road. I, I don't, didn't, it was just... I liked it. I don't want more. It was another spy movie. No. And uh, there are four books out there. If you do watch it and you're like, oh, I do like it. I want to see what happens. Go and read the rest of the books. So um, thank you to Paramount for letting us review that. Next week, we're going to review a small independent movie, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That's a little one. We're the last people on Earth to see it. (laughs) Possibly. That's right. Um, I'm looking forward to it. No kidding. If no one, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, that's like, he's just playing with you. I have, um, it came out obviously last year in the theaters. We didn't go and see it. And I have avoided anything about it. I don't know how. Don't ask me. Now you've said that, somebody's going to send you a bunch of stuff about yeah, it. Yeah, possibly. I avoided everything and I just completely blanked it out of my mind. I was like, well, when the Blu-ray comes out, I'm going to get it and watch it. So. And not only that, but you've bought a new projector. So I assume that means we'll be watching it on the new projector. Yes. So next week, I will install the projector and we will watch it. A- in case people don't know, a few years ago, many years ago, in fact, now, I built us a movie screen out of cheap wood for the frame and some, what's it called, blackout fabric. That you yes. put like on your windows to black out Which the seems, sun. Which seems, you black out for a bit, you put, yeah, seems. Yeah, flat. that's what all the internet said to use. And so I built it and it's been fantastic. Yeah, but the projector I'm using is the same, the projector I bought back then, which I, we don't know, but we're thinking it's about 10 years old. Well, it was when Giant Bomb Oh, we had a tube fired. TV. Yeah. In the front room. We did. Yeah, it has to be 10 years ago then. Anyway, it was time for an upgrade on the projector. So we're going for it. Nice. So uh, we'll, we'll tell you what that's all about next week. Uh, movie recommendations. I am going off the subject of this movie. Movies that I really enjoy about female assassin slash uh, spies. I'm going with Anna from Luc Besson that we watched last year. Do you remember it? Mm-hmm. Did you like that one? Yeah, so did I. She was really good. And uh, Atomic Blonde, which is a really good one. I really like that one. Yeah. Uh, They're making a new Atomic Blonde for Netflix. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, What are yours? My recommendations? Yes. Are, we're going back 100 years and 50 years. For 2020, we're going to celebrate that cinema slash movie making has been around for more than, but at least 100 years. That sounds like a long time. It really is. And the first one was from 1920. It's called The Mark of Zorro. And it sounds like a cheeky little black and white, obviously black and white, 1920 um, 
tale about Zoro, who, you know, we did have Zoro many years ago, but we've never revisited that as a masked superhero guy. Johnny Depp Zoro. I mean, Johnny Depp was uh, Tonto. Tonto? Yeah, that was Oh, Zorro. that was the Lone Ranger. Yeah, it was Lone Ranger. Zoro was... Yeah. Uh, Antonio Banderas. Correct. It was a long time ago. It so was. So we haven't revisited that one. So that sounds interesting. And then um, The People Next Door is from 1970. Oh, that's a good movie. Well, when you read about it, some people say it was a big bomb. It was terrible. So I've I don't seen know. That. I've no. actually seen that one. So there you go. Mark of Zorro from 1920. And The People Next Door. Sounds just like a drama with some effed up family and a kid on drugs and whatnot. All right. So I will ace Gully stuff. Um, they did the patch to Fallout 76, which uh, is the Fallout game. Who's speaking? Somebody's speaking in our house. Yeah, hold on. You got to tell her to stop. All right. You'll you'll tell her to. So um, I'm going with, well, this Fallout patch. It made the game Fallout 76. Instead of just having no NPCs and just being an empty. What's an NPC? It's non-player character. Which means? Somebody you're not, somebody else in the world who is... Put in there by the game developers, and they issue stories and missions. So you're talking about a computer person or a real person? Real. No. I mean... What's an NPC? Is it a real person playing against you or a computer-generated a, person? A computer-generated Okay. Person. That's all we need to know. So um, they there were not. none in Fallout. Okay. It was empty, the world. And the way you got missions was you found, like, people's belongings who had... Because there's been a nuke gone off and people are all dead. And you found people's belongings, and maybe it's say like, oh, here's a letter you found. And if you read the letter, it's like, if you go to this place, maybe there's some treasure that we left. And that was how all the missions were dished out. But it really made it feel dull, because you never bumped into anybody. You're basically just wandering around a wasteland and never, ever saw anybody the entire game. So that was the criticism of the game. And the people who make Fallout decided, we'll make a patch for this game. It'll be free of charge. It'll just be like an expansion. And we will redo the whole... We'll use the same world. We'll redo the entire like story. And we will add NPC characters into the world. And it will make it feel more alive. And I can tell you, I played... Instead of using the character I'd already made, I started a new one. And I played from the very beginning. Even the opening's different. It's slightly different. But as soon as you come out of the vault which you've been locked up in for years because of the radiation. You come out of the vault and there are people. And the people give you missions and they send you to a town and the town's full of people and it's bustling and it feels weird because you've been used to this game having nothing. Now that everybody's voice acted, it's just much better. Uh, it doesn't make the game... If you, if you fundamentally didn't really like the game, like the gameplay, none of that's really changed. It's just the way you're issued missions now is you meet these interesting characters, they talk to you, some of them want to come with you as a, com- you know, as a companion and like they speak to you as you're doing the missions. I think that makes it better. It's how it should have been in the first place. Doesn't it sound, even you don't play games, a game where you're just wandering around a wasteland with nothing? Doesn't that seem... It depends on the game. Isn't that what Death Stranding is? Yeah, but that's the point of that game. <laughs> Yeah, so, so then that's what makes that one good. And, and there are one people bad. in Death Stranding, actually. There are the people in there live underground and stuff, but you do speak to people throughout the game because mm-hmm. you're a delivery man. 
Death Stranding's a outlier. It's um, about being isolated. It's really perfect for these times, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's perfect, but... I mean, it was almost like he predicted the future. <laughs> so, um, yeah, fine, uh, Fallout 76. The patch is worth... Yeah, I mean, it's free if you're already on the game, and it changes the game dramatically. So you might as well go and see what that fuss is all about. And I've also been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake on the PS4. It is a full remake of the game Final Fantasy VII, which was from like 20 years ago. Original PlayStation. So yeah, it's possibly 20 years ago. And uh, this is a modern day retelling of the story. But also... Even though it's called Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's also a sequel and a prequel and a... What else could it be? <laughs> it's like... You're Alternate play- timeline. Yeah, you're playing the original game. There's lots of nostalgia in that way. If you've played the original, you would be like, oh, I remember this, I remember this. But then you would be like, I don't remember this because this is all new. Oh, now they're fleshing out, I really like this character. And now they're telling me a bit more about her. I, I didn't know that much about her in the first game. So it's like a clever way of... They kind of... They they said all along during like production of this game, this is just going to be a, a remake. Shot-for-shot shot remake. You love Final Fantasy VII, and you want to see it in like new graphics with voice acting. That's what we're doing. That's not what they're doing. It is quite clear they're... They like that, you know. They want you to experience something new in this universe, and it really is new. You watch me play some of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think of? I Final don't know because I didn't see Final Fantasy VII. No, well, it's not. It looks nothing like this. Game, I understand, obviously. but I can't compare it at all. Right. I can only tell you that it's okay. You're not going to like this. But it's kind of boring. Uh, yeah, not- I don't like um, turn-based so much, and so that's really boring to me to uh, watch. It's not turn-based. Well, it is. You, like, do a thing, and then the thing is shooting at you. It's as close to turn-based as you can get. Yeah, it's action and turn-based at the same time. Yeah, I know. I've been married to you for a long time. I know what turn-based means. It means you have to go for this menu real quick. Flick, 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 flick. I got to pick a thing. Pick a thing. Pick a a whatever. And then throw it at them or zing it at them or bring up this fake animal up out of the ground and then wait. And then it's going to shoot at me. And then... And I just find that really unstimulating. And then the story and the little uh, 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 girl thing, I don't, I'm not into that. I mean, it's Japanese. I, mean, I, I don't know if it's the Japanese part because there were other people who sound that way. So it just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, uh, it looks cool. Yeah, I really like it, actually. I, I yeah, like, I know you like it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. The original game was turn-based. Mm-hmm. So whenever there was a battle in the original one from 20 years ago, there was no control in the characters. They just were on the screen, and you p- you just picked stuff from menus. Mm-hmm. And that was how the original one played. With with this one, they decided to have... It's like Kingdom Hearts. You swipe with your sword at stuff, and then every now and then... You swipe at your sword until this bar goes up to the top. When the bar is full, because every time you swipe your sword at something, the bar levels up. When the bar's full, then you can pause and pick a spell like fire or whatever, or cure. So they mixed Kingdom Hearts, because this is by the guy who made Kingdom Hearts, with a turn-based thing. And I think they were successful in it, me playing it. I actually enjoy the strategy of like, oh, I've got to hit him a bit more before I can cure myself because my bar's not leveled up. I like all that stuff. 
But I think I actually prefer when you say you don't like turn-based. I think I prefer straight-up turn-based, how the original was, mm. without moving the character. And it's just, a, that's actually like a chess game. It's like, I choose this, they choose this, I choose this, they choose this, and see who can do it best. But um, the story, I'm not finished yet. I'm probably a third of the way through, apparently. Uh, I'm really into the story. It's really well done, like voice acted. The graphics are very good. Um, if you like Final Fantasy, it's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. So make sure you've got a PlayStation 4. What's for dinner, Sid Talk? What do you want for dinner? Impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Impossible Whopper. Very nice. We're vegetarian and we still like the junky food, but what did I make today that wasn't junk food? Some fresh bread. Homemade bread that was really good. It's still really good. It's sitting in there waiting to be eaten. <laughs> you should put your Impossible Whopper on it. <laughs> no, thanks. Mm. That's it for the food section. And what is your advice? My advice is, and this just in general, because I'm, you know, just to preface this, I'm not a believer person. I don't believe in anything. Um, I mean, that's not true. I, I believe when you say that you love me. So I guess you have to have believe in some things that you I, can't touch or. I believe I can fly. <laughs> Okay. In the great words of R. Kelly. Is that you flicking back to another movie that was made with a superstar basketball player back in the day? That's correct. You were just watching the clips <laughs> from that terrible movie with Shaq. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so I don't believe in stuff. I don't have any religious thing. I don't have any set political thing. I don't commit to anything that is a hard line where the logic of the thing breaks apart very easily if you're willing to accept it. And I think sometimes people will commit to these big ideas and they'll you know, submit themselves to it if it's taught to them or it's the easy way to explain something. But like, if you don't have an answer to something or like the why, it's okay to not know a thing. I don't need to know why and how all of life began. Like, it doesn't intrigue me. It doesn't... I don't say to go, oh, why? Why? Why are we all here? What are we all doing here? What is the meaning? I don't have any of that. We're just here. In my, For me, from my observation, because I don't have an answer to that question, I don't seek the simple answer. I don't need someone to tell me, oh, here's why. So now you need to believe what I'm telling you, okay? So now we've all got an answer to the question. We can all feel better about everything. And, and now we can, you know, I'm not that. It's okay to not know stuff. It's okay to not know, because right now we're going through the coronavirus thing. If there are people accountable, not accountable for things going very, very wrong, making decisions for whatever reasons, then yeah, trace that back, find out who's accountable, Find out what damage they've done. I have no problem with that. If, however, you don't ever get an answer to that, because, I mean, it's governments and whatnot, we probably won't, right? They're not going to give us the answer. Don't make up some shit. And don't let your crazy coworker or your crazy cousin or somebody else with some bullshit conspiracy theory that just barely flimsy holds together, but it it makes you feel like, oh, well, that that could be it. Yeah, I, I'm going to cling to that one. That, that makes me feel better. That's the answer to my question, because it isn't, right? It's not going to be, because you don't know. It's okay to not know. 
It's okay to not know a lot of things. And it's okay to not regret things or like, oh, if only I hadn't done that thing. And then you need some big explanation why you, you know, somebody go, well, that everything has a plan. Everything has a reason. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I mean, I hate to break it to you. It doesn't. It just is what it is. And so... If you, I mean, if you willingly give yourself over to an explanation to something and it makes you just feel super happy and wonderful and everything's better in life because of it, I'm not knocking that. But if you feel like the whole of culture around you is forcing something down your throat and deep inside you, you're like, that is not an answer to this question. Why do I have to pretend like I go along with everybody else? And be like, oh, okay, that's the answer. I'll just go on. Well, on the inside, you don't feel like you've got the answer. You you can't be brainwashed out of the truth. And the truth for some of us is your explanations do not make any sense. It will not make any sense. More power to you if you want to just keep believing it. That's cool. But leave me out of it. Well done. Uh, I don't know if it was well done, but... It is what it is, just like everything else. Thank you. It was um, fresh and a a nice take (laughs) on things. (laughs) The embittered take on everything. Yes, fresh and nice. All right, so let me say you can find our website, ascully.com, Twitter and Facebook. We're on there. The podcast itself is on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. There's an RSS feed. Just go to the podcast link at the top of the page you can subscribe on anything you want including your smart speaker just say listen to after the show movie podcast on tune in and it will play <laughs> you the latest episode you can uh, email feedback to me ascully at com. and uh, before we go I would say stay classy uh, the makers of James Bond I'm looking forward to the new James Bond and also wash your hands and make sure you stay indoors. <laughs> and I'm going to say, think for yourselves. Because if you're not doing it, somebody will very easily do it for you. <laughs>